Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Faith comes by hearing, not from having heard. So you cannot be doers of the word just because you have knowledge of something in Scripture that you heard a year ago. You have to refresh yourself. And again, why did we come down this morning when we've been in service so many times we could have done it multiple times? But it's when you're hearing something specific in God's word, you find yourself wanting to act on it. That's just kind of how that works. So if you see yourself not acting on something you know, you need to get back in the word to strengthen yourself to want to act on it again. Instead of it just being a knowledge, it needs to be a revelation that you're acting on consistently. How many of you said praise the Lord a lot since Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. You found yourself. Now, let me just say it this way. When we begin to minister along these lines, the enemy always comes to try to bring a situation to take the truth you're hearing and make it seem like it's not applicable in this situation. How do I know this? Because Jesus himself was baptized in the Jordan River, and when he came up, the heavens opened up. Think about that. The heavens opened up. And God the Father says these words, This is my Son, in whom I am, what? Well pleased. I mean, how many of you like to have the heavens open up and God say your name and say he's well pleased with you and you could hear that audibly? Yeah. Well, if you did, you'd probably get what happened next. Because then Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, the devil's next response to the father's response was, man, if you are the son of God, not really sure that's what you are. Right? So when we talk about praising him and praise him anyway, then there may be some situations that show up that you're like, man, how can I praise him in this? She's just going to have to do it anyway. And now I'm fixing to jump into another little topic found within God's kingdom that you're going to want to receive, but you're going to have to act on it in some different situations. So just look at your neighbor and say, man, you're full of it. Now, we've heard that statement, and that typically has a negative response to it, but you need to be full of it. And what am I talking about being full of this today? I'm talking about the joy of God. You need to be full of joy. Because if anybody, if there's any place the world should encounter someone, especially if they ever show up at church, they should encounter a people full of joy. I mean, they should, if a first-time guest is here today or uh, someone that's not in God's kingdom came to Anchor Faith Church, they should assume right out the gate that none of us ever have a problem because of how excited and joyful we are. They must think that we are the golden children and that, man, our whole life is perfect. All of our bills are paid. We never uh, have a symptom in our body. We never have a challenge. We are always above and never beneath. We're always the head and never the tail. And we are those things, but that doesn't mean we don't experience things like the rest of the world. The difference is, is that we've got a joy. A joy has been given to us that the world didn't give and the world can't take away and so we can operate in it even in the midst of dire straits and I'll talk more about that next week I just want you to see that the Bible has a requirement for us as believers children of God citizens of the kingdom of heaven by God you are children of the king that you should be rejoicing I mean, seriously, what situation could ever happen in the planet that you couldn't turn that sorrow into joy? You could tap into it, and it's really just a matter of you. Now, if you want to stay in your mind realm and your emotions of a situation, you'll get the results of that. But if you'll go to the Spirit, then you can tap into something. And we'll talk about this next week because I already have that message started being prepared. But one of those scriptures is in Galatians chapter 5. says the fruits of the Spirit is. First one, love. Second one, 
So again, as Pastor Marcus already got by the Spirit, joy is not natural. Joy is a spirit. It comes from the Spirit of God. So it can defy natural situations. Joy is not just laughing, although it will create a laugh. I said it'll create a laugh. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Joy is not just happy because the world laughs and gets happy at unrighteousness. And that's not joy. They go to all kind of clubs where there's comedy sessions and they are speaking the most vile and disgusting things, but they are laughing. They're, they are, uh, uh, I mean, to the point that they can hardly breathe at, at people making fun of other people, joking about other people, all kind of lewd and gross things. And they leave there, not better, not full of joy. So do not mistake joy as just laughing and, ha and being happy. It's a lot deeper than that. Are you hearing me? The devil can counterfeit, make it look like somebody has, you know, got it together because they're smiling. But when you have the joy we're talking about, it transcends that. Now, that doesn't mean that our joy is without expression. <laughs> okay? Our joy is not without expression. It has an expression. It's just when it's tied to the spirit, man what it can do in your life. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll start in verse 3, and it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, man, isn't that good news? And undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. This word rejoice in this passage of scripture means to celebrate. It means be exceedingly glad. So that's got to be more than this. I don't think this is an expression of exceedingly glad. Right? <laughs> no, exceedingly glad. In fact, it even means this jump for joy. I said, jump for joy. I said, jump for joy. That's, it, is an, it is an outward expression of something happening on the inside, so much so you can't contain it. It's exceeding gladness. It is a celebration about your life or the word associated with your life, even in the midst of a trial. That when you begin to tap in to how infallible God's word is that when the king speaks, it has to be. Then when you're in a situation and you hear the voice of the father by the Holy Spirit and you begin to say, in the name of Jesus, my dad just told me by the Holy Ghost to say this and stand and believe here, then you can begin to shout, jump, celebrate and say, woo, it's that way. I remember back in 2015 when Pastor Hagen was here for the Living Faith Crusade and he began to talk about mountain moving faith. And I was with Pastor Roddy and Pastor Kenneth Estrada. They had come to that meeting and he was saying, you need to speak to your mountain right now and command it to move. How many of you were in that 2015 service? And I'll never forget, I, Pastor Roddy and Pastor Kenneth knew the mountain I was speaking out, which was move so that we can purchase this property right now. So they came to me and they said, we got it. And so we ran over here and we began to dance and celebrate 
that we have them all. It is ours. It is forever settled. And the Bible says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. We were in agreement. We were shouting and praising and glorifying God as if I just signed it. Six years later, I signed it. And I didn't jump up from the table that day. I didn't dance in the lawyer's office because the Lord says, you dance then. See, I was excited that it was completed, but I was already rejoicing long before it ever took place. Glory to God, because I knew the, where the word of the king is, there is power, and what my king says cannot be changed. Ma, ma, ma. And so what did we do? As a church, we kept pressing. As a church, we kept believing. As a church, we kept confessing. As a church, we kept speaking. And lo and behold, at the end of the day, it is exactly as God said it would be. Amen. Joy in this passage of Scripture means gladness or cheerfulness. So again, if we possess within us the Holy Ghost and a fruit the Holy Ghost can give to our spirit is joy, and when we just think about the salvation of God alone, that should be enough to have a permanent smile slapped across our face. Now, that doesn't mean we won't feel other things. I'm not negating that. Nor am I saying that you'll always keep your smile. I'm saying you're going to have to be in faith to get your smile. Don't settle for a place where you're not smiling, full of joy, full of gladness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't ever get in a place where you're like, I can't get here. You can because greater is he who's in you than the circumstance or he who's in the world that you can yield and say, I'm just going to rejoice anyway. Not because I'm just doing it on my own accord, but I know I already have the victory in Christ Jesus. Have we forgotten that the Bible's about a king? his kingdom and his royal offspring? Have we forgotten that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have what? Dominion or rule. So God's original intent for us as, as human beings was to rule in this realm as he rules in his realm. As he would speak to Adam in the cool of the day, him and Adam and Eve, both male and female, both were having dominion, were ruling over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. They could speak things just like God could speak things. They were in his image. They were his DNA. Are you hearing me? Which means they had no conflict. They were in a perfect environment. The only conflict they had was to maintain their love relationship with God by not eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's really the only conflict they had. Because when the enemy came in as a serpent and began to question God's word, all they had to do was say, I don't care how I feel about the fruit on this tree. My king has said, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when I do, we die. And if they would have maintained that, then Adam would still be in the earth today. We would be able to visit him, have a conversation with him and Eve and everyone else that was ever born. But what happened? He ate the fruit and he died and sin entered the world and he gave his dominion over to the devil. And then he rules. He is the God of this world he is the principality of powers, right? He's the prince of the air. But Jesus Christ said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. And all he is is a liar. And all he does is create situations around you to try to convince you that darkness or death or separation from God is more of a reality than being able to live a life with God. But we have good news. I said, we have good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he's poured out his blood on the mercy seat of God in heaven, and that all who call on the name of the Lord is what? Saved, and God puts inside them a new creature in Christ. Then the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost, comes and lives on the inside of us, bearing fruit that he says, hey, no matter what you go through, I got some joy for you. 
I have some joy for you. You can navigate through life with inexpressible joy. Are you hearing me? Let's read this out of the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation says it this way. Celebrate with praise. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy ha has given us new life and we are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved, my goodness, forever in the heavenly realm for you. What's the Bible say? That your citizenship is in heaven. So when we're born again, we are born of God, and God has a registry up in heaven that says, that's my child, that's my daughter, that's my son. Are you hearing me? And the things of this realm can impact their realm because they're not limited to their realm alone. They now have access to me. That's why Jesus said, now when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven. Whose Father? Is he your daddy? Is he your dad? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God never intended for us to only experience heaven in heaven. He never intended for us to only experience heaven in heaven. In his original creation with man, heaven and earth were like each other. Although they were two different places, they functioned the same. No sin was in either one. And now Jesus says, now that you can get, if you'll repent, change your thinking and get into my kingdom, then the kingdom realm or God's government, his heaven realm can come and invade this earth realm through your life. Which means then, what problem do we have? When all of heaven's resource is available for us. And when I say that, I'm not just saying natural. I'm talking about the spiritual area there. I'm talking about angels. I'm talking about the power of God. I'm talking about the power of your faith. And it will move even natural things on earth to get to where you are and what you need to do what you need to do. That should put us in a position that no matter what we face, we can stop and say, wait a minute now. I'm going to rejoice because I'm not limited to this natural issue. See, this is why when sickness comes, oh, I can't go to the doctor. I don't have insurance. People worry about this. Well, first and foremost, who's your provider, your insurance or God? Because if you need to go to the doctor, go. Do you think God's not able to pay that bill? Is he so slack? that he cannot take care of that need should you have to go. But you know what? By his stripes, she were healed anyway. So we know in certain aspects, for sure, in sickness and disease, you can tap in through the blood and stripes of Jesus to be able to pull the health care system of the kingdom of heaven straight into the earth, and he'll heal your body. You're not even limited to natural medicine alone. In fact, in some cases, you might not even need the natural medicine. Now, if you are taking it, fine, no problem. But don't put the natural medicine above the word of God. Because the Bible said the Lord, the Father sent the word and it healed them. I said it healed them. Now, obviously, there are other situations that occur in our lives like, you know, um, you know, an accident or something like that that's not sickness and disease, that you know what, you do need to get some things checked out to make sure you're covered so that you can pray effectively and then you can recover supernaturally. But you're pulling a realm in by your faith, which means no matter what report you get, why would we stay in the emotions of the report? Let's go on through our faith. Through whose faith? It's your faith. Now, again, you, you're not going to just operate in joy just because. It's a choice. 
you're going to have to operate in this by faith. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us into our full salvation. See, most people think our salvation is just, where am I going to go when I die? That's all salvation is. Knowing where you're going to go when you die. That's it. And the Bible does not support that at all. You can know where you're going to go if you die. That's true. You can know that. Be assured that you'll be present with the Lord. No problem. But there's so much more to God's salvation. There's so many more benefits to being born of God. And so he wants to reveal his full salvation to us. Not only things that we can operate in now by faith, but then there are some things that will be revealed when and only when we put off this mortality and put on immortality. In essence, we leave the mortal body and we get into the immortal body, right? So he says that God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for? Jump for what? Jump for joy. I mean, this even tells me, even if a person doesn't understand all that God could do for them and aren't even in faith for it, they can still maintain a joyful attitude, period. But the Bible tells us that we are to have the mind of Christ, that if we seek him, we'll find, and that there are many situations that people are in now that God really wants to reveal truths to, that, man, when you get a hold of that truth, man, you can walk in joy. I said, you can have joy. That's all right, because this is what the word says, and that's where I stand. Amen. It says, may the thoughts of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith. So again, when we talk about joy, Monday, a problem can show up. Are you going to yield to joy, or are you going to yield to the problem? Are you going to let the devil grab you outside the sanctuary today? Are you hearing me? Husbands and wives, be forewarned. Something's going to happen maybe this afternoon that's going to cause you to want to get at odds with each other. Just go ahead and do this instead. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Just do that. When you feel something else coming, hmm, well, what do you know? Pastor was a prophet today. Just look at your spouse and go, ha, 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 and your spouse will know. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And just kind of repeat that back and forth a little bit until it wells up in you, the joy of God. Then you'll just laugh like, I'm so glad we didn't let that silliness take us in that direction. Right? Didn't get us off course. Didn't, didn't stop us. Are you hearing me? But when these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire, right? Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. You love him passionately, although you did not see him. But through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised your soul's victory. And I love that because it lets me know when I stand on God's word, it gives me such joy that we proved out that no matter what took place, we did not relent from believing God at his word and we had what we said. I have experienced this in my own life concerning different things. When my wife and I bought our first home, we were renting it initially. It was a lease to buy. We needed to purchase it. I had just moved into the state uh, only, you know, 15 months prior to that. Or really, it, uh, yeah, I guess it was about 15 months prior to that. And um, got into this home, right? And so I started a job um, which was outside the church because we were planning the church. And um, we're getting around to that uh, year time frame uh, in this particular house that we were at. And the individual was like, man, are you going to buy the house or not? Because I got people with cash offers. Now, honestly, if he'd had a cash offer, he'd have sold the house out from underneath me. That was just the character of the individual. But it was just, you know, trying to put pressure, put pressure, put pressure. And I knew that my wife had heard God. We only moved to that place because my wife said, I believe this is our house. And this is an opportunity for us to be able to purchase our very first home. Never had one before. Rented all this time. 
And so, you know, we went through a natural process. And because I had moved out of the state, only been here, even though job-wise, I was in ministry long enough, I could carry that over, I was just starting a church. So we were getting letters from financial institutions denying us from having the home. So you open it up. It says, not going to loan you the money. The next one, not going to loan you the money. Well, whose report are you going to believe? And in act of faith, I was so convinced it was our home. There was a particular bush on a corner that had kind of rotten, that, uh, caused the wood to be a little rotten for moisture. And my wife didn't like it there anyway, so I went out to tear it out. And she's like, what are you doing? This isn't our house. I said, this is our house. <laughs> and I cut that bush out. I mean, I ripped it out violently. I mean, I cut on that thing, I dug on that thing, I beat those, uh, cut those roots, and I slung it halfway across the yard just in protest <laughs> to all those words saying I couldn't have it when I knew my God would. And I remember calling back to a person, I, I actually, it was the craziest thing, I was sitting in my office, and I saw an ad in the paper, <laughs> I never do this, but in, I just sensed I should call. So I called, and I ended up talking to an individual. And they're like, you know, my father was a pastor too. And Pastor Earl, we're going to get you this place. Amen. And lo and behold, we got that place. Amen. Just as the Lord said. And they were so good with me, I ended up letting some other people in our church know, you need to call this person. Because they are awesome. It was such an easy process. I just called a person in an ad. Never do this. They called up that company, asked for the individual, and they said, no one has ever worked here by that name. All I know is whoever I was talking to, their dad was a pastor, must have been Jesus. <laughs> At the end of the day, but it came to pass. In the midst of things saying, Right? We have to believe that. Now, sometimes there's a tenacity. But I can tell you this, it's even better when you get your tenacity and then go over and laugh about it. I remember one time my wife and I, we were in a Bible college, and um, Pastor Brian and Cheyenne stand up. They were in Bible college with us too. Mike and Angie are probably serving in the back somewhere, so they're not here. But they, they graduated with us, so we, were gonna been, we would have been in the same class. And there was an instructor by the name of Keith Moore, and he was ministering on um, probably uh, submission and authority, but he got over into faith. And he made this statement. He says, now, if you're not full of joy, then you're not in faith. Now, that made me mad. I mean, it just really made me mad. Because I knew that guy's story, that he didn't have any kids, just him and his wife. They never had kids. In fact, his wife worked while he st just worked at the ministry. He didn't even have a job while he went to school there. And in my mind, you know, you're starting to try to justify your behavior. What do you know? I work a third shift job. I got three kids, man. I mean, we got more bills to pay. You and you got your little wife, you know, and, and, and you've had it pretty easy coming to Rama. You know, this is going through your mind, you know. But it is how we justify our behaviors. We look at our situations. You know, and I was growing because, man, the first class I sent in at Rama was on the ABCs of faith. And I looked at my wife in five minutes. I'm like, I don't even know the Bible. And I had youth pastored and had preached hundreds of sermons, but I didn't even know all that I needed to know. And then he started dealing with me about my attitude, <laughs> like questioning whether I believe. But you know what? He was right. That day, I didn't want to receive that. But I found out later, if I'm worried about something, I'm not in faith. If I'm afraid it's not going to happen, I'm not in, I'm really not trusting God. And I can put on whatever air I want to put on, but the reality is I am hindering God from accomplishing because I'm not happy and excited that it's done. I realized I was wrong and I repented and I found myself saying, man, when God says it, I'm just going to rejoice. 
Now, that don't mean they're in moments where grief starts to show up, pressure starts to show up, but at some point, you got to just, whoo. And I have found in my life, I try to turn on how quick I can laugh, so to speak. You understand? Where I can just have a joy. It's all right. Cast that care off. I'm going to cast the care on the Lord. That means violently throw off. He will sustain me. And then you got a joy in you. It's all right. It's all good. Get a smile on your face, your whole countenance, you walk in the room, and nobody even thinks you have a problem. I remember Anchor Faith Church when we transitioned here and got stuck in two locations. The people outside this church were saying, that's the wealthiest church in St. Augustine. Little did they know that we were financially strapped and struggling tremendously to the point that I sold my own vehicle in order to help the church and went without a salary for about a year. But no one knew that here. Why? When I walked in, I just had joy because I was in faith. I knew God was my provider. I knew he told me to come here. I knew he told me to start this thing. I knew he told us to move here. I told them I couldn't be in two locations. He was going to have to vindicate me anyway, and I just might as well be happy in the process. And lo and behold, it happened. I said it happened under all kinds of pressure. And people, when I tell testimonies at times, like, Pastor, we never knew. That's the point. That's the point. The point is I should be such a man of faith, and I should have such an air around me, an atmosphere of rejoicing and joy that even though I may be going through the fire, you can't tell. Now, that doesn't mean I can't confide in people and share and, and have people pray. I'm not saying that, but I don't just tell anyone. And the reason I don't just tell anyone, because some people can't handle the pressure I'm in. The Bible says that God places you in the body where what? Pleases him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said, I will build my church. That word build is where we get the word architect. So there's, I will not, as a pastor, go to someone who does not have the structural capacity, spiritually speaking, to handle the pressure that I am built to handle. That is a misuse of power. So for some, I have to go to others that are spiritually, structurally built because God placed them in the body that way. It was his design. Are you hearing me? What am I saying? Let me help break it down. All of you are going to get in your vehicles today, and there are a lot of round objects on your vehicle. Four specific ones, unless you're riding a motorcycle, then it would be two or three. Okay? Those are round objects, are they not? But you also have this other round object that you put your hand on every time, unless you're driving a motorcycle. So let's take the motorcycles off the table. Your steering wheel. Now, you understand, someone designed your vehicle this way, which means your steering wheel does not have to have the same capacity as your tire. So if you pulled your tire off, jacked up your vehicle, pulled your tire off, pulled your steering wheel off, put your steering wheel where your front tire is, and put your front tire where your steering wheel is. Now, it may be, with power steering, still more difficult to turn with that big, fat tire in your front seat. But I'm pretty confident you're never going to figure that out because the minute you let the jack down on that steering wheel, it will not handle the pressure, the weight, because it was not designed. So don't be telling people stuff that they aren't even ready to handle the pressure. That's why you don't need to get on Facebook and ask people to pray and do a prayer chain. Some of them can't even handle the situation you're in. They're going to feed you more doubt and unbelief. You need to get around people that are more spiritually strengthened like you that can then gird up underneath that and say, I won't relent from this thing. It's going to be this way the only way. Because I can handle that. And then we can rejoice in the process. Are you hearing me? See, joy has the capacity to empower you with the ability to see your situation from God's perspective. 
I'm going to say that again. Joy has the capacity to empower you with the ability to see your situation from God's perspective. Now, I'm just going to mention this. You can write it down. So this came up by the Spirit while I was sitting on the front row during worship. This is not in my original notes that I sent to the back, nor is this scripture. But the Lord spoke to me and said, you understand joy has the capacity to empower you with the ability to see your situation from my perspective. And then he said this. He, he said it, so I looked it up. Didn't know where it was at in chapter verse, but I heard him say it. He says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Psalms chapter 2 verse 4. And he's laughing at horrible situations going on in the earth. He's just laughing about it. He can maintain a perspective of joy because he knows I'm coming. Okay. He knows I'm coming. And there's nothing done that I won't rectify. I won't bring into justice. I won't deal with. There's not one thing ever committed on the planet that he has not documented and he will resolve. It's either better get under the blood or it's going to be dealt with. Period. So he can laugh. He laughs at the plans of the wicked. He laughs at all the calamity they try to bring. He just sits back and laughs and says, my word's going to come to pass. My will's going to be done. This thing's going to happen just as I've declared it. I'm going to have a people that'll believe me. I know that it's going to turn out just as I've said. I will have. Me a people of dominion. <laughs> he laughs. Well, if he's laughing, then what are you doing? Amen? Just look at your neighbor and go, ha, ha, ha. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> you should laugh more. And in these last days... There ain't going to be a whole lot of laughing going on in the world. Situation go from worse to worse, bad to, to more bad. <laughs> troubling to extremely troubling, chaotic to I can't even believe these people I have a brain. I mean, from lawlessness to gross lawlessness. And if you are viewing and viewing and viewing and staying up and watching, it will come to suck your joy, which will suck your strength, will, will suck your faith, and cause you to fall into the same pattern as the world. But if you'll say, no, I'm going to be the happy one. I'm going to be from God's perspective. He's given me a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's look at Psalms 40, verse 16. Psalms 40, verse 16, just to give you some foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll give you some joy that it just, like, overtakes you. You know how you get in those little laughing dings and you just can't stop? He'll give you that by the Spirit. And it can become contagious by the Spirit. Right? Just like a yawn. You know, someone yawns, next thing you know, you're fighting that thing. But here it is. How does that happen? I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost begins to move and he begins to drop a joy that wells up from the inside, it can be contagious if you yield to it. Yeah. Amen. It'll get you over into a place that people will say, those people are drunk. And we'd have to do like the first church service ever in Acts chapter 2 and begin to explain. Well, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're just full of the Holy Ghost. They have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is manifesting. And the joy of the Lord is correcting things. And the joy of the Lord is pushing stuff out. It's better to have the joy of the Lord than the woesy measies. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's better to just have joy. Look what it says in Psalms 40, verse 16. It says, let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Now, I would expect a demonstration of joy and laughter, especially we get this one under our belt and come in and talk about it again next week and then have in between a little bit about praise because you know what? We need to become this contagious church. Yeah. 
And what do I mean by that? That not that we won't talk truth, not that we won't preach a word that brings conviction to your flesh, but at the end of the day, even in the most difficult type messages that confront our own flesh and the way we think, that we can yield and go ahead and have joy anyway. Are you hearing me? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, so are you glad? Do you love salvation? Put that scripture up. <laughs> Come on, put that scripture up. It's all right. Amen. I mean, didn't I say Wednesday night that if you got a praise going on, that you ought to just praise him anyway? Don't just wait for time. Just go ahead and praise the Lord. It's okay. You're not really going to distract at all. <laughs> Y'all doing all right? Yeah, yeah, the Lord's good. <laughs> Amen. You get full of it. Let's just get full of it. Amen. Get full of it. Now, listen, I mean, this is something that God does. He says it's joy inexpressible. So when you're like looking around thinking, what is wrong with them? They're getting something that's welling up from the inside, and it's okay for that to happen. And don't start thinking, man, this is distracting, because I'm talking over it anyway, but I, if you all bust out in it, then great. Until that literally takes place, I'm having to help some of y'all still get over. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad. Let those who love you, do you love salvation? Do you love your salvation? Do you love your salvation? Well, then you should rejoice. I said you should rejoice. You should rejoice. You should rejoice. You should rejoice. There should be a rejoicing about our lives because we just love our salvation. We've been made right with God. We're born again. We're full of the power of God. We have the healthcare system of the kingdom. We've been healed, delivered, been made right, been raised up. We're seated in heavenly places. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Man, our praise should be so crazy that people are like, what is going on? But what do they have that I don't have? My, my, my. Doesn't even matter that there's a thing called inflation or recession. Doesn't matter to us. But we've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. He's on the throne. Glory to God. Okay, Isaiah 61.10. It says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with, the gar with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and a bride adorns herself with jewels. So how should we rejoice? Greatly. I mean, this ain't no cute joy. This ain't no cute rejoice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's not greatly. There's no great about that. I mean, that's meager. That's weak. That's still coming out your flesh. I mean, that's just like almost uh, um, offended that you got to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, how can a person that's been blood-bought, been purchased from the king who was beaten so bad they couldn't tell he was a man? I mean, I don't even get how people are going to church and like, Lord, I only got about 30 minutes for you today. I got things to do. I mean, they want his sacrifice, and yet they have no praise. Now, you just remember me when I die because, you know, I came to church this month. I'm just going to let Anchor Faith parents know we did our Washington orientation. And I let all those other parents know that do not attend Anchor Faith Church. That I don't know what regular attendance is at your church, but at Anchor Faith Church, it is not once a month. And if all you're doing is that, I just want you to know your student is going to pass you in spirituality and are going to be leading you instead of you leading them. How in the world would we not have an exceeding rejoice? You get to come to the house of the Lord. I mean, can you imagine all the believers in, in China right now that if their uh, um, 
dictator would jump out and say, you know what? I've gotten right with Jesus. We're going to allow churches to openly worship. You understand what would happen on that day? And here we are. You know, I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to make it today. That kind of interferes with my life. That's the problem. You have a life instead of gave you life to his. Ha, ha, ha. Just laugh anyway. <laughs> no, people who know their salvation being clothed in righteousness, you're like, I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. I can't wait to get around other believers because I may be going through something, but I'm going to go through because I'm going to get around others that will rejoice with me and we get to the other side. Are you hearing me? Psalm 68.3. Psalm 68.3 says this, but let the righteous be. Are you righteous? Have you been made righteous? So why are you sad? Let the righteous be, which implies you could be a different feeling, but he just lets you know, let the righteous be. You just go ahead and be glad. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing what God says, it's going to work out to your advantage. He's going to bring it to pass. It's going to come. Now, I'm not saying that you're not feeling something else. We'll talk about it next week. Literal emotions that people went through and go through but get over into joy. I'm just saying that I'm not going to get stuck there. If I know I'm righteous, then I'm just going to go ahead and get happy about it. Just go ahead and get happy about it. And if nobody's going to laugh with me, I'll laugh with the Father because I know what he's doing on his throne. I know what he's doing on his throne. He's laughing at that. Because you've messed with his kid. You just came against his anointed. Are you anointed? I said, are you anointed? Then what can man do to you? Oh, let, but let the righteous be glad. Let them exalt before God. Yes, let them what? Rejoice with sadness. Madness. Some of y'all got an angry praise. <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. <laughs> come on now. You know it's true. Some of your husband and wives, y'all come in and you're mad at your spouse. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Please make my wife repent. Don't change the words, people. You deal with you. Are you hearing me? Come on now. Now nah, we just push those to the side. We yield to a fruit called joy. Are you hearing me? Oh, I got a couple more for you, maybe one or two, and then we'll just go ahead and exercise just a tad, and then we'll do communion. What's it say here? Psalms 118, verse 24, it says, This is the day which the Lord has made. So what are you doing this day? And, and, that means there is no Mondays. Come on now. Man, I'm just having a bad, wait a minute. This is the day that the Lord has made. What? Let's, 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 and. Be glad in it, which tells me if you can't get a ha-ha-ha in your day, then you're more concerned about your situation or your perceived hurt than trusting the Lord with your situation. And I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how bad it is. It doesn't matter to me. The Bible tells us, oh, thank you, Lord. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, we have not resisted God to the point of the shedding of blood. But for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. There was a joy set before him. He was like, when he was in the garden saying, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass, let it pass, but not my will, your will be done. The father like, son, you gonna have to die. You gonna have to become sin. It's gonna happen. You're going to get beaten. You're going to have stripes on your back. I am going to smite you for the sake of humanity. But if you'll do it, you'll open the door 
you'll open the door. That for all who call on your name, son, they'll be saved. And he said, for the joy of knowing you can be redeemed, knowing you can come back in. He took the stripe. He took the crown. He carried the cross. He was nailed to it because he kept thinking there's joy in the house of the Lord today. For the joy. And then you're going to talk about your situation? Compound your one individual situation with all the sins of the world from Adam's to the last one who ever commits one all put on Jesus. You just need to look at your neighbor and say, ha, 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 I ain't got a problem. You don't have a problem because Jesus took your problem. You don't have to sit in that. You can even rejoice in the midst of it because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. Now, so just so you know what days you're supposed to rejoice, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 tells us. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Now, this is not um, a suggestion. <laughs> I mean, it's not a suggestion. This is not rejoice when God comes through for you, but only then. Until then, fret, cry, worry, scream out to God, tell him how he ain't doing nothing for you, because you'll get his attention if you do that. No. No, it says you just rejoice always. You just always rejoice. Rejoice how often? Come on, how often? How often? Always. Now listen, some of y'all know what's going on with my mom, and thank you for praying for her. I appreciate it. But don't come up to me and feel bad for me. I'm just rejoice. Just rejoice. You know, at the end of the day, everybody gets a little bit older. Everybody's going to navigate their older years a little different. You're going to have different challenges at the end of the day. But God has given me grace. And I'll just tap into that grace. And I'll just rejoice. And my wife and I were there with my mom yesterday, and we probably laughed more yesterday than we did. Now, it wasn't because everything that was happening was funny. We just were choosing to rejoice. 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 But there is progress. I said there's progress. And I believe God's report more than any report. Amen. Because instead of her already being with the Lord, she's still here. So there's a reason. Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to be mystical or super spiritual because most people who say that have no context of why they say that. But Lord, there's a reason. Okay. There is a reason that she is here. We got to tap in and find that because it isn't for her to live out the rest of her life not knowing. It's not for that. It's not for me to be able to sit a house 24 hours a day and not do the call of God. So something's changing. I said, something's going to change. And even though I don't see it today, I can rejoice and say, Lord, you're going to bring it to pass. It's going to come to pass. It's going to show up. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be more purified. My faith's going to work. I'm going to rejoice. We're going to be able to navigate. We'll be able to communicate more to others. Are you hearing me? Rejoice how often? Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, 4. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And again... Now, just in case you didn't get how often, Paul reiterates. He says, rejoice. Now, you got to understand, Paul wrote this statement by the Holy Ghost while in prison. His letter to the Philippian church is while he was in prison, and I was in that cell. Seriously, literally, where they believed that was where he was at. Now, Rick Renner, who's a Greek scholar, an apostle over in Moscow, Russia, gives an extremely detailed description of the prison that Paul was in in Philippi. And they say that Paul, when he was arrested in Philippi, they took him down to the lowest part of the jail. And the lowest part is where anything above 
when the prisoners above would defecate or urinate, it would go to the middle of the room, down a hole, into the lowest part. That's where Paul was. So Paul was in the sewage system part of the jail. And it's made with stones, no air condition, no TV. Very damp. So that means when he was chained to the wall, that they would have been rusted. That many prisoners that were in that place, in that part of the prison, would have gotten gangrene because of rubbing their hands raw from the rust and then because of the defecation, then the rats that would run across the top of it. Because, you know, there's no electricity. So when it was dark, it was dark. He describes this. The rats would run through and begin to gnaw at the prisoners that were hanging on the sides because they couldn't really go anywhere and would begin to eat on their sores. Amen. Just so you understand where Paul was when he... When the, when the jailers came in and said, Paul, there's a package for you. Because again, he didn't get three squares a day. He didn't get to walk out in the yard and exercise. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. I mean, the prison system in the United States are Hilton's. They are embassy suites compared to what Paul's in. And they're like, a package came for you, Paul. So they brought him out. Let him see the package. It was a letter from this church. And the church was talking to him about some things, but not only that, they gave something. They gave money and said, Paul, we believe you're going to get out. And when you do, here's some finances to help you along your way because we sure hope we get to see you again. And Paul's emotional state during this time where the Holy Ghost let him pin it. He said, go ahead and tell him how you feel, son. Tell him what you've been thinking. He said, I'm betwixt between two places. What are they to go on and be with the Lord? Because it's so hard here. And what I'm in right now, I feel like death would be better. Or to remain here with you. Convinced that my work's not done on the earth. And what really got him thinking that? These people just sent me an offering. They're believing I'm coming out. And he began to pin more. And then he gets to the last chapter. We call it a chapter. It's just the end of his letter. He says, now rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, if anybody had a right to not rejoice, and this ain't the first time Paul did a little rejoicing in a jail cell. Are you hearing? He, on more than one account, we've had it pinned where Paul has got joy going on in a very difficult situation. And all of you freely came here today. None of you were brought here by the police. Are you hearing me? So we should rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Last scripture, 32, 11 says this. Be glad in the Lord and Rejoice, ye righteous ones. And then what? And shout for joy, all who are upright in heart. The only reason why you can't have a shout is maybe something's going on in your heart. The Bible says if your heart doesn't condemn you, If the word tells us that we're to be glad in the Lord and rejoice, and you righteous ones, and if you are born again, you've been made righteous. Amen. Which then should cause you to have a shout of joy. But if you don't have a shout of joy, then maybe something's going on in your heart that's condemning you. Because you know you're not supposed to do it. The Holy Ghost is saying, hey now, what are you doing? How can you be living that way? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing? We're redeemed from that. You're out of that. You don't do that. You don't treat them like that. You don't act like that. You don't hold that against them. You need to act, just forgive them. And if you're holding on to anything that the Lord's telling you to let go of, well, then all of a sudden your heart condemns you. And then all of a sudden when there should be a shout of joy, you just kind of sit like this. And God forbid somebody come by and say, how come you're not shouting? You got something going on in your heart? Don't, don't judge me. 
I just don't know why you don't have a shout. It's amazing that there's plenty of examples in the word that what's going on on the inside prompts an outside. Now, do I know that people can do an outward and their heart be far from it? Absolutely, I get it. But I also know this, when your heart's right, it's going to do something outward. So, I don't want to be a fake praiser. I do want my heart right, but if my heart's right, it's going to do something. That's why James says, you're going to talk to me about your faith without works? Like, you're seriously going to say that? You're going to sit there and tell me you have faith in God and you're doing nothing? No, your, your faith is dead. He just straight up told him, no, your faith is dead. They're like, don't tell me I don't believe. Your faith is dead because you're doing nothing. I'll show you my faith because I'm doing something. It is outwardly shown that I'm believing God. And one way that we outwardly show that we're believing God is that we have full of joy in a moment when we shouldn't have full of joy, but we're so convinced that what God said would take place in this situation is really more real than the situation the way it feels, so I'm going to go ahead and just shout for joy right now anyway. And it becomes an outward expression that I'm so glad, I'm so overwhelmed and rejoicing in the Lord because I've been made righteous and my king has this situation handled and he's going to bring it to pass. He's going to vindicate me. He's going to put me on the top. He's going to demonstrate that I am his beloved. He is going to showcase to all the lost and to my other brothers and sisters that dad does take care of his kids. I'm just going to rejoice. And I got a shout of joy. That's why when it comes to worship, I can sing. I can dance. I don't have to be prompted. I can just do it anyway. And even if it doesn't look good, it doesn't matter. I'm not dancing before you in the first place. And my shout's not for you. My shout's for him. Because he's the one who can bring it to pass. I said he's the one who can bring it to pass. Do you have a shout of praise? Come on, do you have a shout of praise? Why don't you just shout to the Lord? Is your heart right? Can you shout for a moment? Can you lift up holy hands? Can you shout to the Lord? Has he done good things for you? Has he redeemed you? Has he healed you? Has he restored you? Has he prospered you? I mean, if he's done one thing, he'll do it again. His word never fails. Faith to faith, glory to glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You can be seated. I heard the Lord say, he says, why is it that my people always want to try to find a way out of just doing my word? He said, know this. Some are saying they're only getting up and shouting because you said something. He said, but you know what? No one ever got born again until I said something. I said, call on my name and you'll be saved. So they only called on my name because I said, do it. And when they believed what I said they should do, then it happened. So it's no different when I say, do this according to the word and you act on it. You're not doing it for me because I said it. You're doing because the word says to shout for joy. The word says to shout for joy. So you're not following me when you shout for joy. You're actually following the scripture. You're actually following the word. You're like, I'm just going to do what the word says. I'm going to shout for joy. I'm going to shout for joy. And it doesn't matter whether Eloise, Eloise, stand up, tell everybody to shout for joy. Do it. Stand up now. I mean, is she a child of God? Amen. And if she gives us a command from our king, why would we not want to respond? Amen. Because you're not performing for me. Because when you're hard and you know what the word says and a believer said, man, let's just give the Lord praise. You'd be like, that's easy for me. Even when it's difficult, it's easy. Even in the midst of all cot, it's easy. Why? Because I'm going to believe God at his word. I'm going to go ahead and shout for joy anyway. Amen. Well, I'm just not naturally a happy person. Well, then maybe you're not born again. Because children of God are happy people. They are. They have glad. He gives you, he turns your morning 
into gladness. It says he'll give you the oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. So you can't say that you're a child of God and you can't be glad. If you're not glad, then maybe you're not a child of God. Hallelujah. But once again, you're having the Keith Moore debate like me. Are you telling me? Yep, I'm telling you. And the Lord's going to reveal, just like he did to me, that I'm right about this and you're wrong. Because he wants you to be full of joy. Because he's got you. What can the world do to you? Come on, what can the world do to you? Why? Because you've been redeemed. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.